Hi, welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast. I'm Kevin Miller, and I'm like you. At the end of the day, I want fulfillment and peace and joy, and I want my problems solved. So I hunt for the latest and greatest authors and experts in self-help and ask them the candid and in-depth questions I'm curious about for my own growth. And I bring these conversation series to you so we can learn and grow together. This is my functional Friday episode where we focus on our health and wellness so we have the ability and capacity to pursue all we desire. And today we're talking about a word that's flat out blasphemy, especially in America, fasting. And I titled the show, How to Feast on Fasting, to help us change our paradigm. And look, I adore food and eating. And I'm generally always looking toward my next meal, which as I sit here now, I know exactly what I'm cooking for my next meal here in just a little bit. I mean, I enjoy it so much. I won't waste the effort or calories on just any food. I want quality food and I want to experience it. I want excellent tastes. I also don't like to deprive myself. And in my perspective, I literally don't. I do, however, often delay. I look at fasting this way. I grew up with you know, fasting being a spiritual discipline, which it surely can be. And I also know of some radical Puritans who abstain from a lot of pleasures as a lifelong discipline. And that's great for them, but that's not me necessarily. I, I look at it more mechanically. I mean, most often... We are, all of us, running on too much anxiety, too much cortisol. We eat on the run. We eat thoughtlessly. And we're very, very often eating foods that our body struggles to deal with well. A lot of inflammatory ingredients like gluten and dairy and sugar and chemicals. So think of it like your car overheating, right? And you realize most of us have some overheating going on internally in our gut and digestion. So what do you do when a car is overheating on the highway? You pull over. You let it cool down. You have to or it's going to blow. Well, think of fasting this way, whether you do some intermittent fasting and eat less often or go an entire day or two or five, I mean, you're simply letting your body recover from digestion, give it a break, let it cool down mentally as well. We can fast from all varieties of things for the same reasons, some mental breaks or just to increase our gratitude even. So in this episode, I'm joined by my co-host, Randy James, medical doctor and functional medicine expert. Uh, You can find him at truelifemedicine.com. That's truelifemedicine.com. And while we don't expect to get you all excited about fasting, I think you'll find yourself better able to consider the benefits and find some ways to do it that you can handle. Hey, if you find value from the Self-Helpful Podcast, subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Leave a review. It'd be great if you leave it about this specific episode. Uh, and best of all, talk about something that you heard or learned today with someone else. Elevate both your lives. You can always find me at my website or social media at kevinmiller.co. Next up, Dr. James and I discuss this concept of feasting on fasting. All right, Randy. So as we're doing our pre-show chat on this, I want to lead in with what you just said in regards to fasting. If you, and yeah, the idea that if you can't fast, then you are not really free. That, and that, that's such a big topic that freedom, human freedom and, and, and our own free will to choose to eat this or that or drink this or that or go to this or that store or um, like we talked about to fast from our work and we call it vacation that if you can't choose to fast from sugar then you are not free yeah 
and as Americans, that that resonates that that we have such a a strong and we, we think the other way. I am free to eat whatever the heck I want, and then I would say, "Are you truly free?" And I would say the answer is no. You know, prove to me that you're free by fasting. Well, and you you did that tangibly. You said those words. I don't know, three years ago, two years ago, when we were talking about wine, you and I both enjoy wine. We're happy to have a glass of wine every evening. And we talked about that. When, when does it become an addiction? We're saying, well, okay, so you and I did fasts from it, from wine, whether it's three days or 30 days or whatever. But your statement was, was that, can I just do without? Is it, or, or even, even how much is it calling to me? I think it was one of the things you said. Right. Mind. The and and I actually had a conversation with my wife about this and it was one of those uncomfortable kinds of things. And the word that I used was a relationship with this right. particular food. She said, "Well, that's kind of weird." And I'm like, "Well, you know, we talk about people's relationship with food all the time in terms of the emotional connection to food and sugar and alcohol would be a huge one there." Um, I've been doing a lot of research on CBD, THC, marijuana here in Colorado, and the such a thin line between somebody who could choose to enjoy a product, a thing, whether it's a show or a candy bar or a cup of coffee or a glass of wine or, or CBD, and that for one person it is the exact right thing compared to, say, an opioid medication. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for another person, it is the top of the slippery slope right down into an addiction that is not good. And our country is very uncomfortable talking about this. I know. Because you talk about coffee. I have no desire to fast from coffee. And nobody's going to give me any grief about that, too, because it's not alcohol. We don't think about it as, oh my gosh, if I have too much, I'm going to be a danger to myself or others. Now, again, we can have too much caffeine or whatever, but back to your statement of do kind of the, the aspect of, do I own it or does it own me? Yes. And so with <laughs> coffee, and I, I think it was you that talked about that, that even questioning, gosh, is is my morning dependent on coffee? So if I don't have it, can I not have a good morning? And that bothered me because I don't, I don't want to be beholden or constricted or confined or controlled by anything. I mean, I really don't. I have, I have my, I have control issues, but I think everybody to some degree, if you put it in that light to go, Oh, so what has a hold on you? And now we're talking about some food things, but we can go on into that with work, with being a parent, uh, with, you know, so many things in our lives. Is it controlling us? Can we, can we abstain? Do we even have the ability of the wherewithal? Should we? And again, we're, you know, there's some things and let's go. I mean, I was going to say, yeah, we, we, we came up with a list of things that you don't fast from. <laughs> you, your first thing was, and this will tick off the guy who doesn't like us talking about God on the show, but, uh, Jesus, you know, do we want to fast from Jesus? No. Do we want to fast? I mean, my first thought was sleep. It's not a good thing to fast from. Right. Yeah. You want to do a three day fast from sleep, man. Don't do it. You you can't tell your wife, honey, I'm just going to fast from our marriage for a couple days, you know? Well, (laughs) true. True. I mean, to some degree now, now we are going to talk Well, we can do it right now. So I just did a fast in essence. And it was really, I wanted to do some creative work and stuff. But while you were in Hawaii, I went to your house and I did fast from being a spouse and a husband. Now I was still in the same city and I'm available and you know, they might give me a call to ask me something, but I got to 
take a break. It was great. I didn't, I could do what I wanted to do. I could think and stay on one tangent. I could watch a show. I could do whatever I wanted to do. That was a, I, I love those fasts. My wife does them uh, as well. She's the one that started it. She called it a mommy sabbatical. Um, and so I got to have a fast away from the beauty and the glory of my family, but to have a fast from it. And I came back better. And we have done that so long that we've had times where the kids have said, mommy and daddy together go away. Or one of you go away. I, them being intuitive enough to say, I think you should, because I, you're better when you come back, man, that's a testimony, especially to those of us who would think who would feel guilty, which I struggle with too, of right. staying away. Cause now it's putting more burden on my wife to do that. But she also knows the benefit. So that's a fast. So I just got to, and that there's where we came to the term that I don't know if we're going to title the show this or not, because now we're playing with the freedom of fasting. But you said initially, when we talked about this feasting on fasting, I got to feast on taking a fast from my family and it was great. I had, right. it was great for me. I got creative time. I just got downtime. I got, it was, it was wonderful. Now I go back and uh, then you go back me. and one of the big things about the show is going to be obviously fasting from food. And, and the point is just like you, you would be a terrible father if you did a, a fast from your family and you just kind of stay there. That's called abandonment. Ab- <laughs> That's called yeah. neglect. That's called right. a broken marriage, a broken family. And the same is true with food, that if you don't ever fast from food, you are less good than you could be if you at times feasted upon fasting from food. But if you stay there, that's called starvation. Yeah. That's harm. And, and again, we live in a culture where we say, well, I'll show you my freedom by my food choices. And, and we, we feast upon food so much so that now we've created this, this idea and Almost every day in the clinic, when I when I mention fasting to people, they're like, they're like, oh yeah, I do that. You know, I fast all the way from lunch until dinner, and <laughs> from breakfast to snack, <laughs> from breakfast to snack, and and so we all do this intermittent fasting. And but when I mention, yeah, but what about one day or two day or three days or whatever? And how long is prolonged fasting? And when I mention a three day fast, that I would say a resilient, free human individual ought to be able to, to not have to eat and, and still be a husband and a father and a worker and all those kind of things, and their eyes bug out, which tells me they've, they've just not even, they've not done it at all. Yeah. And they, on one hand, we can say they're fasting from fasting. And, okay, well, that's called starvation. You are, you're, and this is a, one of the main points I want people to get today is that we want them to feast on the biochemicals that happen when you are 12, 24, 48, 72 hours away from food, things happen in the body that unless you get 72 hours away from food, it never happens. I want to, I want to, I want to, cause food we're going to dig into. I want to jump back though. Cause you just made me think of something from an overall standpoint with, with this freedom of fasting. I mean, we are all, I think anybody listening to this show is an aspiring person we're in, in, in we're looking for the routine, the habits that give us the most success out of our days, weeks, months, years, lives. So we're looking for that. And yet if we do the same thing every day, there is a stagnation in there. And what you brought to me talking about food was talking about, I just read my, my little girl, Jade Dyer, we're reading the book. It's from the little house in the prairie type series. And this is a little house in the big woods. And they typify just what you talked about back when 
from the majority of all time, there were seasonal foods. Um, mm-hmm. this season in the spring, you grew this and you ate this and then it became summer and that thing didn't grow and you don't eat that anymore. You're eating these things. And so your body is getting a break from these mm-hmm. foods today. We can have anything we want every day. If you like blueberries, you can have them for every single meal, uh, all year long. And you said to some degree, uh, uh, I don't know if I can, if this is too liberal, but to say to some degree, maybe that's one of the things that's leading us to allergies, food Gee. allergies is that we're yeah. having it constantly. Yes. Okay, so without a doubt, we we call it rotation. So you've got to without rotation, you can develop an allergy. And you've talked about that, man. If you find that this meal, uh, you know, eggs for breakfast works well for you, but you do it every single day for three years, at some point that may run in. We'll take that further. What about work? Do I, if I never take a break from that, you get the best work and the most. I mean, I I love my work. And you know, you you really do love your work but you don't want to do it every right. single day. And you just took a two week vacation from work. Now it wasn't stress-free. Uh, you went to Hawaii with your whole family and there's a lot, to, it was a big effort. It wasn't a restful time necessarily, but you did get to rest from work. Right. Now you get to come back to work, hopefully with a, a bit of a, 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 I'm different. Okay. I'm, I'm different that, that, you know, my exposure to work now is going to be through a, a, a new lens and I'm going to have an appreciation for, uh, for work in a new and different way, just like when we come back to our spouses after we've been together, there's a new and a growing appreciation. Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Hunger is the best cook. Yeah. Uh, and what, what we are seeing in the medical world is that when there is constant exposure to the same thing, and we can express that in biochemical terms or whatever, but, you know, people know that they eat relatively to the same thing and, and all of those kind of things, that there is harm there. And now through ingenuity and, and actually filling niches in the marketplace, we could have chocolate. I mean, the, everybody, that used to be the food of kings. Yeah. And then after World War II, and Americans got famous in, in Europe for handing out chocolate bars, right? And, and these kids had gone years with no chocolate uh, because of the deprivation of war. And it was such a – now it's That's constant. Yeah. And, and so it harms us. And, and well, it, and back to the food, that's been your thing that's always haunted me, resonated, is you know, it used to be back when we would have the birthday cake once a quarter for somebody's birthday – and it was a rare thing to put those ingredients together. And of course, now we can have we can have cake and ice cream every morning, and we call it Fruit Loops, or we call it pancakes, or we call it toast, or we call and, it right. Yeah. And it and that, ultimately, and it is actually now that our food is commodified, the buttery croissant butter is the same butter that's the butter on the pancake is the same butter that's the flavoring and the whatever else, mm-hmm. and each one of those has is sweetened with high fructose high fructose corn syrup and each one has the highly processed wheat and the highly processed corn and even though we call one a pancake and one we call cereal it's the same thing if you look at the accumulative ingredients so if you're hearing that and you think that sounds outlandish i mean that is in america especially that is the culture if you take the ingredients in the normal american breakfast it's very akin to what's in a cake a slice of cake 
and it's going to be the same as your bologna sandwich at lunch. Which is the joke that Bill Cosby used to talk about, that he has a great breakfast. I mean, he has wheat, and he has eggs, and he has milk in the form of cake. It's, it's right. a great... Well, you know, again, this thing, too, it, I, I think about being trapped. Where do you feel sometimes trapped in? And, and again, it, my devotions, that's where, it, that's where it jumped out to me. Devotion. So I'm getting up in the morning to start my day well, to, my dad called it the rudder of the day to establish my day. Mm-hmm. And my biggest inspiration for starting that ultimately was you and you talking about your time with the Lord, your time in scripture, your time. And if somebody wants to take the faith-based aspect or, or the uh, religious out of, of time for meditation or whatever. So for me, this happened, uh, I was probably a couple of years ago at this point now where I had a set of devotional books and I was methodically going through them and then realized one day, man, I'm, I'm just not enjoying this. And it dawned on me, look, I'm not getting points in heaven for doing right. this. Specific. If I don't read this devotion, if I don't read the Bible, that's been one for me. I, I don't, God's not going to strike me down. If I'm looking out the window and I'm prayerful, if I'm journaling, there's a lot of, I don't have to feel trapped in this. I can allow myself a break and taking that into all aspects of life again to, man, if I'm struggling as being a dad, maybe I need a a little bit of a break. I get three days, you know, off. I think this will resonate with you. One of the the words that we say all the time, food related, uh, to bring it right back to that is don't become a food Pharisee. That's exactly what these legalistic people were saying is, thou shalt read thy Bible and memorize this and that and the other. And and Jesus came along and said, wait a minute, that is not what it's about, nor is it about what you eat or don't eat, or it's not about those things. And and so what we did say is there is no fasting from, even though you took a break from being with your wife, you were married. Yes. And even... This wasn't one of those... (laughs) partnership that's what i'm saying is and even though we take a break from food we don't starve to death right right and 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 jesus being one of those things we don't fast from but we experience him with a hike in the woods and and then you know eating our lunch on the steps outside and and a thousand other things and so we as a people humans and then we can say american humans and we are so habituated to these expectations and then when we get out of those expectation immediately it feels uncomfortable yeah and and on one hand we're like we tell our children good you know that that what you're feeling is is the extra push up that we want you to do or you have to clean your room by yourself this time or when they're 16 it's like you're driving mm-hmm. and and on and on it goes this is life but again, when you come over here to the people in our audience and you're, th- and you're thinking stuck, and it comes across as, at least in the medical clinic, I have a headache, I have a tummy, I have chronic fatigue, I, something, my hormones are off, and a thousand other things. Part of what's going on in there is we don't rotate our food, we don't rotate our, our, our devotional times, we don't rotate time away as a father and as a mom and as even spouses, and and. and and at the same time, we do live according to prayer. We don't rotate our spouses, right? We don't, we don't do some of those kind of things. There are rules. We don't not eat for 40 days. But one of the things that I think needs to, be, to, to become a, uh, a principle is the principle of fasting. Well, and, and, and put it, you made me think too, just in the terms of rest. I mean, we cannot... To you, you and can't I today, not sleep. Yeah, you and I cannot keep working from now till tomorrow night and the next night. We have to sleep and we have to recover. When are we giving ourselves a recovery? I mean, we do that generally on the weekends. We recover from um, work, you know, and 
then yeah, vacation, you know, I, I did a vacation just recently with my wife and we did get to, uh, we feasted on our marriage right? And without we kids fasted from our kids. But even like you, you mentioned, uh, what'd you say? The food Pharisee, the exercise Pharisee that I've had times when Jane, the nutritionist here in the, in the office. And she said, Kevin, you, you need to not exercise. You cannot go intense every single day. And I've had days where I've, or times when I said, gosh, it's been two or three days or something. And I haven't exercised. My wife says, good, good. Holy right. smokes. Are you just, you're, you're kind of addicted to it. And there's probably some, I, that's again, it's another one. Can I feel good about myself without exercising? Now we know the physiological and mental benefits of it, but if it begins to be a, a what? A, an addiction, an addiction yeah. or a, yeah, something that I can't be okay without it's, it. Right. Then it has lost its appropriate place in your life. Yeah, a healthful, a healthful relationship. A yeah. healthful relationship. Back that. We're back to our, our number four where we say, what is your relationship with exercise? Yeah. What is your relationship with food and your wife and your God and your work and, and, and? And as Americans, one of the things that our relationships have not even talked about is the concept of fasting. And we're, so that's the theme of today, and well, we keep circling back around to it. We want to encourage us, all of us, to feast on the idea of fasting. fasting yeah, yep. and being free from it. You talk about work, and we have, uh, you, you and I are entrepreneurs, and, and have been most of our you know, vocational lives, and, and when I, in that, especially if it is work that you care about, that's exciting and, and whatnot, that we have the workaholic. We all know that. Mm-hmm. Now we have that in the executive realm and, and mm-hmm. whatnot too. And we know that that is not good. That is not good for yeah. literal relationships generally. True. They make you money. They have lost their freedom. They have lost their freedom, which again, sounds hard when I'd say, gosh, but I, I enjoy but it. I, I'm, I'm choosing to be here. Yeah. I'm, I'm choosing to work. And we're like, I wanted. Yeah, I want to check. I, I want to check the email and see the next sale, the next opportunity. I mean, it's exciting stuff. Does it own me? Right. Yeah. And of course, the answer is going to be different for everybody, uh-huh. and it's going to be different for Kevin Miller from one day to the next. There's a time and a place when it's appropriate to burn the midnight oil and turn away and not exercise, and we're going to work more. Yeah, that's there good. is a time and a place for that. To, you know, a, a kid studying for finals or or whatever. But there's also the principle within there where we're talking about these central core principles. And, and then what we have noticed through the medical lens is that the deficiency, we now have what I would say is a clinical deficiency of fasting. If we pick on the, start with the food thing, that those biochemicals that I talked about, if you, and when, it, when I learned this, I thought, well, goodness gracious, for 49, 50 years, I've never had the chemical floating around in my body of three days of not eating. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, when we did that, and you and I did our first one together, the world didn't all of a sudden become rosy, and we you know, evolved into some super whatever else, but we learned. And I think what, what, through my lens, what I mostly learned was how addicted I am to even the timing of the meals, that when you remove those things, my day just felt off. Yeah. And it, 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 it showed me why. And, 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 and then I'm raising my kids down the exact same pathway that my eight-year-old at the time, and I, I told my wife, I'm going to let them fast on a Saturday morning. 
you know, if you let them do whatever they're going to do, they don't even notice it until maybe 11 o'clock or so. And 11 rolled around and he came bouncing up wanting breakfast. And I said, no, we're going to have lunch in 30 minutes. Shattered his world. <laughs> Tears. Well, you're back to, you're back to freedom. So, I mean, yeah, if we're going to jump into food, uh, I mean, I, to give it some levity, but also some gravity to think about, think about the worst religious Pharisee, Pharisee. And if you don't know the Bible, the Pharisee was, you know, somebody who was talk about the ultimate religious legalist. Yeah, yeah. Legalist religion. And it was, it was about, uh, the, the letter of the law and not the spirit of it. And them, you saying something wrong and them yelling blasphemy. Okay. As you and I stand here in Colorado in the United States of America, talking about fasting from fruit food has got to be the most blasphemous thing. <laughs> I mean, it is, we are a, I mean, I think we are the most, uh, drug addicted, uh, culture on planet earth. And it is food. That is our national drug. And we know that the stats of chronic illness and disease and just flat out obesity, we are eating too much food. We're not exercising enough. Yada, yada. But I mean, I, I know that, you know, that's to give it the gravity. Now that said, I think I'm as food addicted as anyone. I am, uh, I'm disappointed at how, and mm. that's what happens when we do fast. When we, when we literally go from, well, I can say that just fasting from a food. I, mean, I can pig out on everything, but if you don't let me have my morning coffee, I'm irritated. Mm-hmm. I want my coffee, and I would rather have wine at night. Now I've been trying to, you know, not do that as much, but um, I want my food. I look forward to it. This is mm-hmm. today is my birthday as we record this, and uh, and and I'm counting the hours so I go to the grocery. I'm going to buy exactly the stuff that I want, and I'm going to eat what I want all weekend. And I'm going to look forward to it. And you would say that's righteous. That's great. Yeah, more power that, to you. If I do that every day, but if you do that every day <laughs> with your fancy pizza there, it's gonna things are going to happen, but you have shown me as literally just medicinally as a, as a doctor for my own physical well-being. Cause I'm talking about the mental part of it, but for, for, for my body, if I could take out the mental part, that would be the billion dollar idea. If you can come up with a pill that makes people not think about hunger or takes away appetite so that they can give their bodies a break from trying to digest food and talk about the benefits. I just want to put, before we talk about the benefits of it to realize I'm addicted. I am addicted. I do not like going without food. I think you have done enough fasting now that you have grown a better relationship with it. And there's almost some that seems like you, you enjoy it, even look forward to some aspects of it. And we have seen that with people who consistently fast and say, Oh my gosh, I think better and I feel better. And we hear this even though, and I realize that too, even though, man, my taste buds want something now. Yeah. Well, a couple of ideas there and caveats that I'm seeing in myself and in patients. We, so what I discovered about myself was the, the biggest addiction I had was not, I'm, I'm so hungry. I feel better and I need something in my belly. It was at three o'clock in the afternoon, I, if you take away my brain's ability to look forward to dinner, it hurts. Mm-hmm. My body's yeah. not hurt. I'm working better than I would have as with an empty belly. So you're standing clarity. there thinking this while your brain is actually functioning better. Yeah. Your stomach and guts feel better. I'm, I'm sort of lean and mean and empty and all that. I, I like that feeling, but I like more the idea that, oh, tonight is Taco Tuesday yeah. and or whatever. And it's, I'm, it's but depressing. If you take that away, it it's now. depressing. Yeah. And, yeah. and right now, I mean, you and I, we didn't eat breakfast. We haven't had lunch. I'm looking forward to 
yeah. lunch. And if you took it away, it wouldn't kill me. But it's a it's a thing in your mind, and we are back to the core issue of humanity. Are you in control of your mind? What is your mindset, your will set, or even your soul set? What are you set upon? And until you take something away, you don't know what you are set. And that's upon. where you can get. That's where I can get inspired to do it because I say I want to be the captain of my ship. That's right, inspired or. But people in the clinic, they get offended or what's the opposite of inspired they get depressed well you had a, you had a patient scared sc- yeah exactly you had a patient say what is the feeling that comes up I'm oh scared i won't mention his name but that's a great story and he was struggling with even on the morbid obesity side he had already lost 50 60 70 pounds and then i said hey let's introduce you to a prolonged fast and he said oh i can do that i'm like great what's the longest you've ever done a day I'm like, okay, I'm aiming you at two or three days, and he's just bug-eyed at that. I'm just, just try it. We're not Pharisees. If you fail, it's not bad. You are learning a process no different than learning how to go play tennis. Yeah. And so we met the, the week later or whatever else, and he said, okay, here's the, the first day I made it. And I said, and the next day I didn't. And I said, when you woke up the next morning and you thought, I've got another day of this, what was your, and he said, sheer panic. Is that right, right? He said, panic. And I, it just hit me. I'm like, think of the amount of people today that if you woke them said, you can't eat. And they're going to call it hypoglycemia. They're going to call it jittery, shaky, nauseated, all of these things that, pe- that people say, oh, I have a fast metabolism or I need to eat. One of the things I want to drive home today is, to, is for people to hear that's pathology. That's wow. not your metabolism. That's whatever. That is, you have lost freedom. You are tied to the ball and chain of food. And that is a pathological state of being of course ruling out uh type 1 diabetes and some people who really have hypoglycemia those kind of things but the vast majority of what's going on is habit and when people begin the fast okay let's go back to my friend here and on that day he said i was panicked would he have died if he didn't eat no but what are what are the things that happen Number one, I think, is depression, anxiety, my brain doesn't feel quite right, and people call it whatever, and studies have been done on this quite clearly. So number one is people say, I just don't feel good. I just, I don't feel good. Number two would be, I have a stomach stomach ache, or uh, shaky, jittery, nauseated, I just need food on my stomach, it does not, my stomach hurts, or something like that. Number three would be a headache, and number four is, I just don't feel right. I just, I just need to eat. I need to eat. And I asked people, I was like, do you think you're going to die? No, no, no. But I need to eat. And so here's part two of that. If you tell people to say, hey, look, as you're training, we're not saying start off with a seven-day fast or something like that. We're saying train into it. Skip breakfast. Skip lunch. Skip something like that. Work into a one-day fast, a two-day fast. Of course, water. We'll talk about the various kinds in a minute. And you hit that hunger pain or the jittery or the shaky, Mm -hmm. make sure that you're doing this not on, you know, the day that you have to make a million dollar sell or you're going to walk 10 miles or something like that. It's a relatively low key day and you give yourself the permission to sit down, to take a break, to take a, remember you and I did that. We walked around the block. We just went outside and over lunch, we just walked. Yeah. And get your mind on something else. Like a distraction. A distraction. Yeah. And in 30 or 45 minutes or an hour, it'll go away and you won't die. Well, and granted, when we did it, 
generally I'm still having, you know, coffee and you did tea. Actually, that's when I do drink tea since I don't like it, but my gosh, give me something to taste. And well, now like anything they would say, talking about this before starting this consult your doctor or whatever, because I mean, we're talking about, you correct me if I'm wrong, but, but we should be in, in health and wellness. We, our bodies should, aside from the mind stuff we're talking about, our bodies, however, should be efficient enough to easily go a day, if not more without food, with no problem. If that's not happening, that's a red flag. And there are some people out there. You would say you better, you might need to watch. I don't know. You, you, you describe that. If you are, if your body is inefficient, which you may be morbidly obese, which you would think, gosh, I have, you know, I've heard people like they didn't talk about, I should be able to fast for a month. Well, they may not, they may not be able to hardly go a day and it's going right. to get really acute, like a withdrawal. I don't know. How do yeah, you? Yeah, no, it's all of those things that somebody who is overweight, right. They're not going to die for a long time, but they are not going to feel, they're going to feel sick. Right. And, and there's many underlying biochemical reasons for this. Not the least of which is your own brain, your subconscious will shout at you. And for many people in the weight loss area, they know this. They call it the, you know, the 40-pound monkey on their back or, or even cocaine addiction. You know, that is the monkey on your back that if you get people in, in those, and let's just use cocaine because it's well-studied and well-known, and you say, hey, you don't get your next hit, they will immediately. They might have just had a hit, but they'll immediately start thinking, oh, my gosh, i got to find the next one, the next one, the next one. Um, and so and to withdraw somebody without tipping them over into clinical badness, sometimes we have to pay attention to that in the food world. Right. Certainly if there's hypoglycemia well, and other conditions. But, but hit that though, because I, my, my uh, propensity is to think here that the whole blood sugar, I hear that so often. I don't know that I believe that it's really as relevant as many it, people who think it is. It is, but it's, or used as it's, a crux. it's used as a, a crutch, a crutch. And here's what's going on with the blood sugar thing. Rarely do people have clinically defined hypoglycemia where the blood sugar is dropping down below 60 or 50 or something like that. Because um, technically speaking on most labs, normal is going to be anywhere from 60 or 65 to 90 or so. And just from a numbers perspective, people who are familiar with the finger stick blood glucose and that kind of thing, I would say, hey, we ought to be kind of rolling along probably under... 85 or 90 fasting blood glucose and and you should resiliently be if it drops down to 60 or 70 you're going to be okay but if somebody is used to habituated to being around 100 or 120 that's not diabetic levels but you drop them down to 70 they their brain will scream we're gonna die and I that's think, what they think. Because I think that's common vernacular. I mean, I know it is. I hear it. People talking about blood sugar constantly. And it's one of those things where I never heard about that 20 years ago. And now there are so many people. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm blood sugar. I, I got to eat. Like, really? Or, they, or, or if that's the case, think they about do. well. They, well, they do. They need to eat. Just like the cocaine guy. Once you give okay. him a hit, he's well, fine. Okay. But And once you give somebody addicted to food in that way, and most commonly we are overcarbed. Nobody eats too many, too much broccoli, right? We don't ever. It's 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 carbs, fat, sugar are the things that are more addictive pieces to the food, and and it is very true. Their mind is sluggish. That is really really true, and they are really really having medical symptoms. And the best way to stay having those medical symptoms is to go eat. Yeah, and you just perpetuate that again and again. I'll share a quick story there for me. This was right when I got out of the military and I was working at our local hospital here and, 
and in the medical world, you know, the, the drug rep guys, and they bring by a lunch or whatever, and it was pizza and pasta. Wow. <laughs> so it was Pizza Hut wow. with whatever pasta, and I imbibed. And that was, uh, you know, part of, the, part of my existence back then. And I remember this viscerally today because the very next patient after lunch, and, and we're talking, and I actually slurred my words. Wow. I was so brain foggy. Dr. James has been <laughs> token up. On Don't me. tell anybody, please. <laughs> and and I, the patient kind of cocked an eyebrow. No, I remember me. you talking about it. And I excused myself and, and went to the bathroom, did push-ups, splashed some water on my on my face, and came back and said, "I am so sorry that." And I talked with him through it. I think I just hit a sugar something. But that was a red flag marker to me. Somebody, you know, there's no worry about diabetes or something like that, and. And I just, in general, most Americans, we can look at people and say, we are overcarbed. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that somebody's got to jump on the keto bandwagon or this or that or the other. But in general, I'd say, pay attention to your carbs. Well, so in regards to that, would it be fair to say that, mo- that, that for a lot of people, if you try, if you abstain from food, there may be to some degree a withdrawal. I would uh, expect that. Definitely mentally, yes. but literally physically. That you well, may, let's but- use the physical uh, correlation here. Even to you, Kevin Miller, I'd say if you went out tomorrow and ran 26.2 miles, would you be sore? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, if you went and fasted seven days, would it hurt you? Well, I I think it would. But what if I said, hey, why don't you train up to run a marathon by next summer so that you can do it without pain? It's the exact same thing. Now we're back to the brain, habituation. What is the brain expecting and accustomed that's, to? That's true like because we've muscles. done it. We've done it enough now. And we were doing it when you, you kept, I, I fell off the bandwagon. So I'm doing three day fast that now a one day fast feels insignificant. Like, Oh, whatever. Yeah. And I had, remember my story on the marathon for me, I remembered in, I grew up in high school, college in contrast to you, I was doing athletics, but I hated training. I hated jogging and the coach yeah. made us run or whatever. And then in the military, I flipped a switch and I said, I'm going to, I'm going to like it. And then I began training for a marathon. And in the past, I remembered our 10 minute warm up run. I detested. And now 10 minute run was like, well, that's the warm up to the warm up, yeah. right? I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. that's, and it forever shifted my thinking from then on forevermore after having run 26 miles, you come back and you look at a mile a different way forevermore. That changes yeah. you. Oh my gosh, yeah. Same with the fast. Once you hit two, three, four, five days, you have now done it. And the next time you do it, you'll learn something else about yourself. And the next time, and that's where for me, I mean, you gave me credit that I don't, I don't think I want to take. It's not what the heart, my body can do it. My brain, I suffer from, I don't know, it's like a depressive moment when I don't have that to look forward to. Now, I will say once I get through day two, now I'm kind of proud of myself and it's kind of a good feeling uh yeah you're better you are you're better than i am Uh, (laughs) because i remember like day three man and i'm just i am counting down but i'm aware of it i i I appreciate the awareness and i'm usually again the feeling is a little disappointed i'm i'm a little disappointed that it's not more enjoyable because my body feels good. My brain feels good. I know this is good for me. And yet, man, am I looking forward to it? And, you know, I think about here again, I'm going to point out America though. It's, it's other places that 
thinking about comfort food. We are a nation of comfort food. We all have food is our blankie. Right? <laughs> I, I like that. I, well, it really <laughs> is. And you know, and I do want to say for disclosure standpoint on this, that, um, I mean, this is very, my, now my kid, I, I go overboard this way. My kids talk about me openly as dad's kind of a food Nazi. And, and so we've got that. And my wife says that I, I, well, you know, we talk about eating disorders and I think we're a nation of eating disorders and I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to be pessimistic, but just for us to realize that, you know, Dave Ramsey talks about how we're a nation of debt and, and talks about that and is trying to save We are a a, a nation that is, you know, addicted to, to food and we have, it seems like we all have eating disorders. Now I come from, from some acute ones. My wife uh, dealt with bulimia and anorexia. Uh, it's been a, a long time, thank God, but she does. And now I have, uh, as you know, a little girl who we added to our home at the age of three. She lived on an Indian reservation prior to that and had significant neglect. And she is a, f- a, a walking food addiction. Um, and if she does, you talk about panic. If she does not get food and right now we just still have to, well, actually it's, it's a daily process of figuring out how to serve her best. But right now she, she expects at these times that she's going to get it and that gives her security. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long we'll be dealing, dealing with that. Um, but man, you talk about an acute issue right in our faces mm-hmm. and she has that story. You talked about a guy who talked about panic, who's a white affluent privileged American male with influence and fulfillment and family and all these mm-hmm. things. And he cites the same He's, thing she yeah. feels. There's nearly no chance that he would ever have to go hungry. And, um, she knows, and she knows it. She so, knows yeah. it, but in her, it's almost, it's almost in her DNA. Yeah. I remember the movie, the blind side and that young yes, man. Exactly. He, and for years he would stuff tacos in his pockets. Yes. And his dad was like, what? And Why are you doing that? And I could tell you a, a story of somebody I can't name because we're, we're doing this publicly with somebody, you know, who's a patient actually, you, yeah, you don't even know this. And they took in uh, a teenage boy and same thing. And this guy's affluent. They've got, you know, multiple fridges full of food in the house and the kid was putting stuff in his pockets and he had to say, look, it's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. And for him to get past that, you get that's, there's the extreme. So here we are. And most of us don't have that story. And yet where, what place, what, again, back to the relationship do we yeah, have? I was just going to say, we are, why have we gotten to that point? What, we're human. You know what? Yeah. And we failed to do this. I, or I wanted, I meant to do this at the beginning of time, uh, beginning of the show. I'm sorry. Is to put out there as we look back at the majority of the span of time, and we are such a small scope of humanity from the industrial revolution and and shipping and where we can have anything we want. Prior to that, I mean, our, for most of us, our grandparents, if not our great grandparents, and all past that. They knew seasonal eating. They had to fast from certain things because they had no option not to. And if we go back further than that, you know, the hunters, hunters and gatherers and, and, and whatever there, it was like animals. It was like lions on the Serengeti today. They ate well today because they killed an animal or they had a harvest. And then there might be a day, there might be two, there might be three where they did not have food. They're traveling across the country in a covered wagon. They didn't eat, but that fasting was a part of life. So our bodies were adjusted to that, or that's all that they knew. Maybe they were meant for that. We could argue it's only now that we're screwing it up. And it goes back to the guy, doctor who wrote the book undoctored. And he Mm -hmm. said, 
Oh gosh, you know, people will start talking about diet. Like we are now and go, Oh, so you want me to be extreme? He said, no, I want you to realize that what we do today yes. is extreme. So if anything, we're not talking about some newfangled fad of fasting. We're saying folks for the past couple hundred years, if that we've been doing something that we never did before, it's not doing well. Let's jump back there and do some seasonal things, do some fasting. Let our bodies have just a stinking day to not eat and have a break. Just like we every day have a break from consciousness called and we sleep. sleep. Yeah. yeah. That, that is such a, that was a huge part of my learning to look, look at food history. Yeah. And I, I wouldn't even say a couple hundred years because I mean the industrial revolution. Yes. But I think it, the major switch was after world war two when in dust, the massive, process of industrialization and logistics and things like that. Even in the 1970s as a kid, when my family went to Germany, we went for three years with no peanut butter. Oh. Imagine that. <laughs> Can't imagine. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and it was such a treat when we came back. It's like, oh my gosh, peanut butter. Yeah. I can't believe it. And these days here at 9,000 feet, we can march right over to the store and buy organic blueberries all year long. All year long. So never in the history of even ever or probably even 30 years ago could you do that. But nowadays, and it just wasn't there. It was, you know, fresh organic blueberries would have been the food of kings. And so that chocolate bar we mentioned and all of those kind of things. For the people in the past, and here you might have to go back, you know, the 1800s or whatever, they knew fasting. They knew famine. And what I think happened was, again, the ingenuity of the human spirit and all throughout humanity, famine is one of the worst bads, right? We're going to work to not have that. Yeah. And so they did. And here we are where now we've got, we, we made so much food, we have too much of it. And now in the marketing and all those kind of things that people have to think, how do we grow our food industry and make people eat more than they actually need? And now we're suffering under overeating and malnutrition. Yeah. And one of those deficiencies is actually, like you said, give your stomach a break. Give your stomach a break. You know, in episode 10 that we did, we, the title of episode 10 was the hard work of relaxation and renewal. This would be the hard work of, of fasting. And yeah. again, I just think Gosh. about routine and routines are awesome, especially when the routines are good and healthy habits. But still, if we become imprisoned, that if we don't allow ourselves a break from that. And I, I want to, um, point out a testimony from yesterday that I got from my dad. So in episode 14, uh, we interviewed Dan Miller, my dad about his transformation with you as his doc and functional medicine. And i I actually forgot about it. Uh, when, and I don't, I don't think we said it on the show, but the very first thing he did is actually before I, it was my recommendation. I think maybe you did it. I don't know. But the very first thing he did when he finally said, look, man, I things I'm, I'm, I'm a wreck is we said, stop eating and yeah, he fasted begin fasting. Yeah. And he, I don't know how long he did. I know at some point he did 72 hours. He, and he was, he was an experienced faster. So he had been doing some intermittent fasting That's in a true. day or two here and there. So it was, he wasn't completely a That's newbie true. to that. And then, and we had encouraged him, Hey, hit that two, three, two, three day mark. And so he began a process. Yeah. He did a couple of three days and then he did two days a week for a long time. Well, then you change his diet. And of course, you know, again, folks listen to episode uh, 14, you can hear his story, but he got on a very clean diet and whatnot. So I talked to him yesterday. He had apparently texted you 
and said he was having some of the arm pain that mm-hmm. had started off his decline. And he was having some kind of getting scared and whatnot. But he, I talked to him yesterday and he says, Kevin, I figured it out and I fixed it. It's tell me what happened. He said, well, over the Thanksgiving time, they had people there. And he says, he just really indulged in sugar. Like he had not for a long time and they had chocolate pecan pie and they had pastries and whatever. And he just let himself do that. And lo and behold, you know, he texts you, then he's having arm pain, didn't put it together. And it dawned on him. He says, I stopped the sugar. And within, I think, I think he said 12 hours or whatever, gone a hundred percent. He said, man, I just, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. And how many of us are that I have my own story of that with nightshades, which if folks, you don't know, that's uh, potatoes, peppers, eggplant, eggplant and something else. Tomatoes. Tomatoes. tomatoes? Yeah. yeah. Tomatoes are the big one. Nightshades uh, bother me in me. They cause inflammation. And in my particular uh, pathology, they cause inflammation in a place that puts my back out. So if anybody's ever experienced that disintegration of your back and you can't take a deep breath and you can't move and turn, I know that intimately. Uh, I haven't known it since I stopped nightshades. That's just for me. You, Randy, eat plenty of nightshades. Not a bit. Doesn't matter at all for you. Um, but so for here's my dad talking about sugar. He has just realized what we'd all love to know. He's, he's realized the kryptonite, mm-hmm. at least one in his life. And I told him my experience is that after a long term of not eating the foods that I have sensitivities to, which I know I've done, you know, you had me do food sensitivity tests and, and whatnot uh, of doing that. There are some foods that maybe my body is, is resilient enough. It's gotten stronger now that I can imbibe in a little bit and it doesn't bother me, but there's some that I think I'm just more sensitive to. And that's frustrating, but sugar is one of them. So I don't indulge in big, amounts of sugar. Maybe my dad and I share some of the same makeup and he's realizing that, man, I can't go down that role. What I'm grateful for though, is he didn't share that in a depressed way. He was excited that at least he knows something that now he can control. Right. And the exciting thing I think for all people is to say, everybody is on that same scale. Everybody is sensitive to something. Whether a, cri- we, a kryptonite. A kryptonite, whether we call it cyanide Right. Or cocaine. Right. right? right. These, these are common things that will do pretty similar things to all humans. There might be one dude out there and one dose of cyanide doesn't kill him and it kills the next guy. But, you know, we don't think But those are the extremes. So come back in the middle and I would say, well, the same kind of thing is going on with. And uh, and I think in our society, we call it the four horsemen of the dietary apocalypse. Do you know I what they are? No, I don't. So gluten is number one. Okay. Dairy number two corn number three, uh, and soy. And if you think about it, those are the four food uh, entities that we have commodified. Like you can't, yeah. right? You don't, you, nobody knows the price of wheat because it's per bushel or per whatever on the stock exchange, right? You, just, you, you can't go to the local farmer and say how much for a pound of wheat or whatever because he doesn't do it that way. And it, you can't even try to do it that way you're going to get it from some company that's got a whole big batch from somewhere and puts it down in a little bag so in the next four after that um are eggs which we've we've also done that too nightshade plant family caffeine alcohol so if you think of those foods and think what are the kinds of foods that we tend to that we've over processed therefore we've changed their nature and that we do nearly Every day, and they're the most accessible. All the time, and they are the they're the they're, cheapest. They're the cheapest. I was going to say the most accessible. And, and and for folks to know, if you're not aware of this, the the reality 
that poor people, poor, poorer people in America who cite, I cannot afford those healthy foods. What can they afford? They can afford McDonald's. Yeah, yeah. The dollar meal and whatever they can afford those, that that is so backwards that if you go into a third world country, it would be flip flop. They can't afford meat. They can't afford to buy. They're eating these raw foods. Cause that's all that's well, right. it, they got available to any food at all, but it's that that's so backwards. I mean, that is because of American what subsidi- subsidization. Well, and not to put such a bad, it is politicized and all that kind of stuff now, but it also is from ingenuity. Okay. We figured sure. out ways to increase shelf life, to yeah. increase how do you ship it from here to there. And now, 100 years later, it's like, well, that increased the carbon footprint, and people didn't know that back then. And yeah. so now we're trying to rethink things and get things back not to the old ways or whatever, but smarter, better ways of doing things now. I remember my mom grew up picking cotton in West Texas, and they had the kind of bread that today you pay $3 extra for that kind of wholemeal grain Like the, meal, the Ezekiel bread. bread. We, have, we, we do keep That's that right, the because the white fluffy bread was rich people's bread. Sure. It was cake. All the way back to, you know... Uh, the queen that said, let them eat cake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And now that was queen food back then, and now that's become the white bread on a McDonald's burger or whatever else, and that's what is now affordable, and the other better food is is harder to come by. Now, interestingly, you and I have talked about this too. What if you did price per nutrient? How much nutrients are in those highly processed foods less? Well, we know that. You take the big, uh, well, you know, the, the movies, uh, documentaries like supersize me or whatever, but we know that, that when you take those processed empty calories and that goes back to, you know, America, we're overfed and undernourished. that if you take those processed food and you eat your big thing of ch- yeah, chips and white bread and yeah, uh, you'll be full. And then two hours later, you're ready to eat again. Uh, and, and, and you're undernourished because you got, yeah, as opposed to that meal of a, uh, a, a lean grass fed, you know, meat, if you're going to do that or, but your vegetables, your whole grains, which are hard to get. I don't, I don't even know how to classify grains anymore. Cause when you go into the store and see the thing of whole wheat buns or whole wheat bread, yeah, it's, it's crap. No, um, right. You've you, got to go above that. And which is a part of the problem. Now we're talking about, you know, education level and how can people read the back of a, of a thing and actually know what it is that they're getting. Well, and I want people to know that that's us. We do the same thing. We have big families and sometimes we're in the store and we're trying to figure out, Oh my God, what is in that? And I don't know how many times I've gotten something ended up at home and didn't realize what on earth I got. And <laughs> I mean, you know, not that much cause we're trying to shop from the outer aisles in the grocery store with the whole, you know, fruits, vegetables, meats. If you're going to do that for those who do that and fish and, and whatnot, and not from, if it comes in a box, you're pretty much going downhill. If it's coming in a jar. You just don't know. You got to read labels. Well, you got to be an expert these days. And to keep our theme of today, one of the things that our common people don't, aren't aware of is that if you read, you know, spent more money on this kind of food and literally just ate less of it. Okay. So that's, that's one thing is you, you have more new, nutrients per bite and it costs more but it, you know you have to think about it and don't eat one day there's 15 percent of your food bill mm-hmm. 
theoretically, right? And I, mean, I have heard not? that from people who do intermittent fasting, which it's you cheaper. and I have spent times doing that and you don't eat till noon or a lot of people, uh, I know my, my brother's, I don't know how many months he doesn't eat till like two or three o'clock and and he eats good sized meals at that point, but you end up eating less for the most part. It's harder to get it all in and you save money. I mean, that's another aspect. I don't know how many people care about that point. Probably not as, as much as should. Cause when it comes down to me, I'd rather spend the money and eat more. Well, often, that, that's but, when it comes down to America. Well, and then it's motive and, you know, and, 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 and at the core of this, of course, we're talking about what is it that you want? I do not want to fast. I do want good health, less symptoms, more performance to whatever level. Am I going to incorporate that in my eating, in my roles that I do in my tasks and my chores and my habits and my routines? So we, we can confidently say it like this. So each individual can, can hear this with their name, Kevin Miller, you will be becoming a better husband, father, worker as you become a better faster. Yeah. Yeah. Across the board fasting. And, and this would be a good, and I didn't, I, I, maybe we should have done injustice by giving the categories cause it, we want to have takeaways here. What, but what are the categories that you can fast from? And again, if we, I'm still not sure what I'm going to title the show, if it's feasting or freedom from with fasting amongst that though, that here we're talking about foods, but again, in those roles and like, there are a lot of things I love to fast from. I really relish getting to fast from those, but I think we can grow that relationship with foods. I mean, you talked about that. I'll enjoy my coffee and my wine if I fast from them some. And that's true right. Story. Be becoming a coffee snob and buy ten, twenty dollar a pound coffee and have it on the weekends. Yeah. Same with wine, same with chocolate, same with nearly every food. Um, and that's what we just got you know, do that with your wheat per se and get mm-hmm a kind of grain or whatever that is whole grain. Had I been doing that since childhood, I would have less likely developed a sensitivity to that food. But here I am, and, and here your dad is, and his sensitivity to sugar. and those. So the next time he does have sugar, I'd say, well, not the pecan pie kind. Make your own pecan pie and have half as much sugar in there. Well, and again, for disclosure, you and I, after every lunch, which, man, we got to stop this show because it's lunchtime, I'm going to eat. Uh, we'll have a little handful of dark chocolate chips, uh, which your dad f- sent me by the way, <laughs> which he sent some, uh, the Askinosi chocolate yeah, he sent, one of my favorites. but, uh, but we do cause we're feeding that, you know, addiction to some degree. I mean, we really are. And we don't have do that it. every day. And on the days that we do do it, I think, you know, we are expressing, I think a, a unique level of gratitude for this kind of thing that we this stuff came out of the ground that was one of our tours was to go to a chocolate factory or a chocolate farm and to see that wow from that oh and the coffee plantations too that Mm -hmm. it just that i get to enjoy this over here um it's what a blessing yeah well i hope we've done justice to this topic of fasting um you know again that the undergird that i always like to do and that's why i appreciate your role as doctor as MD and walking with patients every day as you see the flat out medicinal, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to, for it not for me to say it's irrefutable. Uh, <laughs> well, we think we're irrefutable. <laughs> we, well, that, that, of, that the, the benefits of fasting. There you go. Yeah. Well, are you excited to fast from some things? Maybe not, but if you've got some acute issues and this just gave you hope, you might be. 
Likely, however, again, you're not so excited to refrain from some of your beloved habits, but you may see a need strong enough to get you to delay for a little bit so you can recover. Hey, thanks again for tuning into the Self-Helpful Podcast. If you got value, subscribe, leave a review would be a great help to us. Tell people what you felt about this show and about this episode. And best of all, talk with someone today, tomorrow, about something you heard or learned. It'll help both of you. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself.